everybody, and welcome in to another exciting episode of Bloody Good Horror. My name's Eric, and I'll be your host for this evening, where we will be reviewing Birth, Rebirth. It's not a feel-good movie, John. It's not one of those. Something I, different. I but, felt uh, things. Joining, joining me tonight, first up... Oh, I felt things, John. First up from the bucolic Pacific Northwest, please welcome Ariel to the show. Hello. I just, it's the only time in my life I get to use that word. So that's why I like it. Next up from Indiana, please welcome Casey. Hello. And well, I can't call it John. I can't call it bucolic Manhattan. Sure. New York City. But how do you know Indiana isn't bucolic? It's not, I picture, I just picture the Pacific Northwest being that oh, way. Fair enough. Bucolic uh, capital region. Welcome We're more to the flat. show. <laughs> welcome to the show, John, as we. Covered last week instead of playing yes and you like to play no or hi hi Eric <laughs> no or bucolic and rainy there you go it sure Thanks. is <laughs> uh I should have grabbed some tums before this show John I, I I can't ever have tums not in reach and they're not in reach right now and it's do, it's causing me stress which is going to make my stomach do you hurt. mean before starting recording or before watching the film. I just ate dinner, ah, so mm. uh, all bets are off, you know. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. Pop a right. Pepsi. Exciting. <laughs> uh, you know. Let's get into it here. Let's take a quick break and review Birth or Rebirth. This is it, Shadowbird. Your big break in TV. Stop the front time. Can somebody get this lady from Scrubs an acting gig that's not <gasps> a nurse? Oh, I didn't yeah. even think about that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like no. an alternate universe version of that character or something. A very dark version. Uh, she's in yeah. the show Claws with uh, uh, Niecy Nash. Mm-hmm. She is not a nurse. You would not recognize Jane Anderson. Awesome. Yeah, she plays Silent Anne. She's kind of a badass. <laughs> Love it. There you go. That's just me being ignorant, Casey, because I've only seen her in one thing. I've just <laughs> shared information about I mean, She was in a lot of episodes of Scrubs. Like, that's a fair <laughs> anchor point for She's great. No, no, I um, totally agree. I'm just agree. like, oh, I wish she could do more stuff. All right, John, please bring us the word of the day. Eric, we had to go medical today. I went medical, as you guys probably could have guessed. The word is amniocentesis. Amniocentesis, uh, not a not a fun one, not the kind of thing you want to necessarily hear about. A M N I O C E N T E S I S could also be a good uh, you know spelling contest word. The sampling of amniotic fluid using a hollow needle inserted into the uterus to screen for developmental abnormalities in a fetus. Amniocentesis. Mm. Um, this comes to us from the Greek. Well, so there's the word amnion, which I'm going to come back to, and then the Greek kentinen, which means to prick. Kentinen, prick. Um, amnion, though, also comes from the Greek am- amnos, which means lamb. Am- lamb? Amnion, yeah, amnion is like a, you know, a g- more, I guess, a, a more general word. Uh, which is the innermost membrane that encloses the embryo of any mammal 
snake or bird. Thanks for mansplaining embryos to me, John. <laughs> I mean, can it? Be, is it a mansplain I'm if you're doing kidding. it to another man? That's an aerial question I'm actually asking. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> nice. It's just like you're explaining something to another guy. I mean, you might still be like a dick. But. Yeah, no, you could still be pedantic. You could be a pedantic asshole. That's mm-hmm. like a different thing. Right, right. Um, you're mansplaining we, to our audience more. I'm yeah, no, 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 totally. <laughs> it's fine. It's what I'm here for, isn't it? I, I'm like, just messing with you, John. Yeah. That's what you get for not playing yes and with me. So, um, John, why don't you tell me about birth, rebirth while I go grab I just, I feel like Ariel should do this because as she mentioned pre-show there, she may have interviewed the director, um, but I can, I'll go very quickly and just say, uh, this is uh, an Ariel, you correct me if I'm Mm -hmm. wrong, it looked to be the directorial debut of Laura Moss, who is a director that uses they, them pronouns, as I learned before the show, thankfully, Uh, and uh, I, I was quite amused looking over their IMDb page because some of the shorts that they have directed look really cool. Have amusing <laughs> titles. Yes. They do. And also look <laughs> funny. Uh, they look good. I mean, the first, the very first thing they have on their IMDb is called Rising Up, colon, the story of the zombie rights movement. Yeah. So that one's like a mockumentary. So it's done like a documentary of a protest movement almost, but it's yeah. all about zombies. Yeah. <laughs> Seems great. Nice. Like I like mm-hmm. I got that from the title and would watch that. I, and I'm someone who does not watch a lot of shorts. So um, no, ma'am. Like know. like the cut of their jib is what I'm saying. And uh, so, yeah, birth, rebirth. I believe they were also the writer of this. Co-writer. Song? Yeah. Co-writer. Okay. Um, and sorry, I'm back. I'm now back. Excuse me while I hit the back button on my browser here <laughs> to get to the, the previous page. But um, yeah, so this tells the story. I, I would say it tells the story of two central characters. One is named Rose. Rose is a medical examiner in a hospital in the Bronx. The other is, as Eric was sort of joking about, uh, a nurse. Wait, wait. Now I'm like. I'm looking at the like list. Judy Reyes, right? That's the yeah. Yeah, she's like um, a labor yeah. and delivery nurse. So yeah, she's she's a nurse at the same hospital. She's also a single mother who um, we learn she has a daughter who's I believe eight, eight or nine, um, and she had delivered through IVF. I mean, which isn't super important. Only it it sort of becomes relevant, I would say, in the the sort of narrative of the film. Um, so there, these, these are two characters like existing in this hospital operating on sort of separate narrative tracks to a certain extent. You have Rose, who we see doing interesting things, including removing body parts and other material from the hospital in a suitcase that she sort of like takes to and from the office. And then you see... Um, uh, Judy Judy Reyes's character. Her name's C- Celia C- Cecile Cecile Celie 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 yeah Celie Celie. Um, we see her sort of like living her life with her daughter, and and it's you know she's a single mom. She works as a nurse. Her nursing shifts are long. The daughter um, stays at the hospital in like a childcare facility. You know when she's working most of the time, um, and then they sort of we see them commuting. 
the action of the film sort of kicks off when the daughter gets sick, can't go to the hospital, you know, facility. Um, so she leaves her with the neighbor. She has this like long harrowing day during which the neighbor is trying to call her, can't get a hold of her. And basically the daughter goes from like being kind of sick in the morning to just dead in the evening. Um, she, it turns out had, um, bacterial meningitis, I believe. Um, and so she dies. Um, she is sent to Rose, the medical examiner. Rose removes her body from the hospital in her bag. And we then learn the, the upshot of all of the like sort of secret experiments with all these body parts that she's been doing is that she had, she has figured out a way to bring dead things back to life. And so this daughter uh, of, of Celie, Celie is the first human that she's ever tried this on. She does have a pig that is living in her apartment, uh, who she had successfully revived, uh, from death. And, um, so yeah, that, that, that's sort of the tee up nurse Celie sort of is trying to track her daughter's body down. And only through that, um, eventually arrives at at rose's apartment and then discovers what's going on and then what the rest of the film is really built around the two of them in a this very interesting relationship where they have to do a lot of nefarious things to further explore the ability to keep this this daughter alive after she's been revivified vivified revivified um and we can get into the science of that and like what exactly that entails. Um, but it's, it's like increasingly dark stuff. One might say so that's All it. Right. That's the tee up. Uh, Ariel, what'd you think? So I really love this movie. This is the second time I'm seeing the film and I actually think I liked it even more the second time through. It's a hard movie, like emotionally, it's a tough one to get through, but I really enjoy it. And I think that, even if you go into this knowing it's like a twist on Frankenstein, I think that the way that the movie does that and what it chooses to focus on is unexpected and interesting. I also think that the way that it handles like motherhood and birth is super subversive and really interesting, like very feminist. I really appreciated all the sort of conversations that are happening about motherhood and pregnancy. And then on top of that, like, Marin Ireland and Judy Reyes are both incredible actors. They are so good in this. And the relationship that the two of them form is kind of the most fascinating part of the movie and probably my favorite bit. But yeah, I loved it. Casey. I was quite impressed with this movie too. I wasn't sure other than like the uh, plot drop on IMDb what I was getting into. And it's a pretty straightforward, simple plot drop out there. Kind of not different, you know, pretty much on par with what Schnars just told us here, too. So going into that, knowing that as my basis for of knowledge of this movie going into it, this movie went places I was not expecting, mostly around Judy Ray's character, which I thought was really cool. The I did not expect her reaction to when she found out what Rose was doing in her apartment. I did not expect the, this is spoilery, but I did not expect her to get on board and not freak out. So that threw me for a loop, which had me like then, and that happens fairly early on in the movie. So then the rest of this movie is then heightened for me. 
Because you don't know, I don't, I mean, they already blew me out of the water where I thought they were going to go. They went a different way, and now I don't know what to expect. And so I think that adds a ton to this movie for me. And I think I like a lot of the things that Ariel brought up, too. I think the subversiveness that you mentioned is probably kind of that twist that happens with Ray's character and whatnot. Um, And like you said, wonderful performances there. Marin, what is her last name? Alexander? Ireland. Ireland. Sorry. They, uh, Marin Ireland. I am so impressed with this, uh, movie. I've seen her in a lot of TV shows. I know she was in sneaky peek and other movies we've watched. She just went all in on this character. And I, from the very beginning, I thought she was channeling, uh, Angela Bettis from May. Oh, on this. I can see and that. And then she went further mm-hmm. and took that whole concept even further. And the stuff that her character did and the way that the life she brought to it, like, there's the idea the pre- pregnancies or how they're getting the materials and stuff like that. Just like, oh, my God, where where did this person come up with this idea? <laughs> this is freaky. <laughs> so I was really impressed. This is a surprise for me this year, and I'm glad we watched it. John. Yeah, I ended up liking this a lot, too. I the the thing that I was feeling while going through it is there's a there's a whiff of the Cronenbergian going on here I think right I mean in terms of it's not a this is not a straight horror movie right like it's not um what I mean is like it's there's not a monster necessarily that's stalking people I mean it it does not it does not sort of play by that that straight horror genre playbook um it is it's it's pretty strange. It's very character driven. I totally agree that these two main actresses, I mean, they like to say they carry the movie is like silly. Like they're they are it's written for them to carry the movie and then they do an amazing job at it. Um I agree. I think of the two, Judy Reyes was like I mean, maybe it's like unfair. She had sort of like the more emotive role to play, whereas the Rose character in Marin Ireland is like she's like the weird, crazy, you know, the crazier one. And so, um, she's going through sort of a, you know, a different arc, um, and, and, and not, um, not one that, that has as much sort of, uh, I don't know, like she's not asked to like do as much emotionally necessarily. Um, but yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. I, I agree that like the relationship between the two of them is sort of the most compelling thing. I sort of like, I think we should talk about the fact that like, we should talk about the ending because the endings, you know, it, it, it leaves you in a very specific spot. Um, I also, I sort of like that it doesn't it necessarily do anything big and wild, right? Like, even when you talk about what the girl, I can't, I shouldn't, you know, this, the girl, the zombie, whatever, whatever, you know, her, this poor little girl's name. And like, Lila. also Lila, great, great acting performance. Like, you know, not, not like a straight up role for a child actor. Um, but what, uh, she's not, she's not just like a cartoonish zombie, you know, doing crazy shit. It's like a much more nuanced, Thing that she's that that's happening um which which leads these actors to uh, actresses to like respond to her in more nuanced ways i don't know i it it's a really really cool movie i was i i didn't know what to expect and it was definitely different than what i expected 
Yeah, John, you you may be surprised to know, I agree with all you guys. Whoa. Oh. <laughs> Good thing I'm sitting yeah. down. I just blew Ariel's mind. Right <laughs> I was very anxious, and Eric, oh my you god, John was so nervous that this movie was just going to take me out. Yeah, like, yeah. this movie, I like I was not going to be able to handle it. <laughs> We're I just worried it. about you, little buddy. <laughs> I I would just because I'm annoying like this, I like to reduce things to like what they remind me of. That's it's a great story. This is place. like it's like elevated reanimator meets pet cemetery. And I like the May comparison, but I see a lot of Herbert West in this character. And I feel like there's like direct reanimator influence going on here. Whereas like Herbert West in the 80s is just like his whole deal is like He's socially awkward. He doesn't give a shit about anybody else. He only cares about this like scientific vision. But Almost what we have like here Dr. is like Frankenstein. <laughs> right yeah, but there, but, but what Herbert <laughs> West in that that Jeffrey Combs performance is a very specific kind of thing. When you filter that into this film, but you you apply like a realistic lens to it, like what it looks like is she's autistic, right? Like mm-hmm. she does not like care for or understand like social conventions. We see how like she just does not, she, she cannot read a room, right? Like, and she doesn't care to, like when she's talking to other people, she's so brusque and like abrasive, Early on, even right before we even well, like, the, see the first like, time you see goes. her interact with her coworker is, it, it's I, I mean, yeah. it's yeah, yeah. It, I was amused. I was laughing. Like, because the coworker <laughs> is just... is the coworker is looking for empathy and maybe some type of emotional support for she's got to go tell this family something. And she's like, no, tell them we lose bodies all the time. Like, Oh no, uh, I was talking about when she was yelling at her, her male counterpart who had to like leave to go to the school because his kid bit someone. And she's like, well, your his, wife's already yeah, there. <laughs> the, his mom's already there. What are you talking about? And he's right. like, and oh, so that's kind of okay. what I mean. It's like, it's like if you took that over the top, almost theatrical performance, of Jeffrey Combs and you like, like, okay, it's like just, it's like filtered down a level to be more realistic. And, I, and obviously like it's a woman, not a man. So it like changes the dynamics. I just love it. And the, 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 the like undersold thing about this movie is it's like kind of funny. Mm. Like I will say most of that Peter's out of for the first half, like the second half of it is much darker, but like even in that first half and it's a lot from that character, it's a lot yeah. of her interactions and I think there's just like when great, she's so, using the breast pump to manually ejaculate a man. Yeah, yes, a, that's a, a funny scene, right? Brain. It's a sex toy. Don't look, you know, but it's like I, as a person who my favorite show of all time is Breaking Bad, right? It's like my comfort food show. And people always go to me like, oh, I don't understand how you do that. It's so bleak. And I'm like, Yes, in some ways, but it's like one of the funniest, bleakest shows ever. Like, there are so many just straight comic relief characters in that show. There's so much good comedy all throughout it that like, and that's sort of, I felt that here. It's so dark, but it knows enough to sprinkle in some levity. And it also just, a lot of like elevated, very emotionally heavy horror movies, to me get so bogged down in the the whatever their issue is or their symbolism that they kind of forget that it's a movie. And this doesn't do that. Like there is drive to the plot. There's purpose. All the characters have a reason to be there. They all are interacting in really interesting ways. 
um, you know, it does choose to be understated. Like, mm-hmm. you know, when you talk about a pet cemetery connection, they really choose to have the daughter not be like a gauge style monster. It's pretty subtle what's wrong with her, but it's clear with the exception of like one There's scene. There's one right? scene, yeah, yeah. But it's clear that like she's just not right. It's much more about <clears throat> the emotional motivators that are pushing her mother to do like kind of more darker and darker things to keep her going, even though it's really just a shell of a person, right? So like it becomes less, and I'm a person like, I like things to be genre-y, so I'm always like, come on, like let's cut somebody's Achilles tendon or something, right? But like, (laughs) but I get it, like that's not what this is. But again, like for what it is, and it's a thing that is not necessarily in my wheelhouse of things I love, it's really well done, it moves, it has purpose, it's very emotionally impactful. That first act, I mean, you know, you talk about it being bleak. To me, the first act is the bleakest part of it with the exception of the very end. But man, like just that brutality of the all that stuff about like her phone wasn't working and she was relieved because it was like relief from the pressures of being a single parent and like, and her kid dies. Like that's just like, yeah. that's Bo is afraid level like yeah. <laughs> anxious thoughts coming true, right? Yeah. Well, um, it, it, and it's an extreme thought, but it's a thought that every parent's had at one course. point early on. Yeah, yeah. The um, I, I think Ariel, you mentioned it, but this movie again for something it, it, that's not an out and out genre film necessarily, but it has a lot of things it is saying and or exploring. When it comes to, I mean, you mentioned motherhood, 100%. You have the relationship between Rose and her mother, which is pretty complicated and, yeah. and central <laughs> to what Rose is up to. You have then everything that's going on with Celie. And like, you know, I mean, that that ultimately becomes the the main thrust of the, of the narrative. And then um, the other thing that I found really interesting is like, you know, the way this um, approaches motherhood or, or like pregnancy and like pr- the, the healthcare complex that has built, been built up around pregnancy. Um, it's such like a, um, it's, it is not a perspective you see on film at any level. No, it's not. I mean, I think the way that pregnancy is usually perceived and like shown <laughs> in film and in TV is like with rose colored glasses, everything's like sort of beautiful and wonderful. And we don't, we tend to shy away from showing the brutality and the gruesomeness that, you know, pregnancy can be for women. And I think that what this movie does so brilliantly is like, there is biting critique here about how we don't take care of women through this process and how we don't take care of women once they've had the baby and our mothers, right. That society Mm -hmm. just kind of ignores that struggle, but also the way that hospitals treat you too. Like, I mean, you can look at statistics and see like how women are treated in hospitals and how many women die in pregnancy because they're not listened to, they're not heard, they're not believed. And this movie shows it so well. Like there's a scene where a woman is um, giving birth in the beginning of the movie and the doctor's like gonna do an episiotomy. (laughs) And the woman's like, no, just like give me a second to try to do this on my own. And he's not gonna listen until Celie's character is like Mm -hmm. forceful about it. You know, he was just gonna do it without her permission. Yeah, I was gonna bring up that scene also. Like that, I mean, that resonated with me with the experience that my kid's mother had. Like I remember going to birthing classes 
with like a doula. So that's like, mm-hmm. you know, they, it's just like basic education because you don't know what you're doing in the first time. And I remember her saying like, when you're in there saying to the husbands, like you guys need to have the discussion beforehand about what her boundaries are, what her goals are, like where her lines are. Because once you're in there, like she's capacitated, incapacitated, and you basically have to speak for her. So like you have to be ready and willing to jump in to like be that person. You know what I mean? Yeah, and, like, absolutely. So that, 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 that is a moment that feels very poignant. Well, that doctor was just like trying to get the fuck out of there as soon as possible. I mean, you're yeah. right. And that's like, not an uncommon experience right. that no. women have in hospitals. And yeah. th- there's also like a the C-section scene that happens Even later just the in scheduling the of C-sections. And, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's all on somebody else's schedule, not your own. But when they remove the baby from her body and she's, you know, they're saying your baby's going to be okay. Your baby's going to be fine. And she's like, what about me? And nobody answers mm. the question. Well, like, that's the gives first scene in the her, movie. Right? That's the opening scene, right? Yeah. Now that though is problematized or, or revisited in a different context. Like obviously yeah. later in the movie. Um, Man. But uh, yeah, so that's super bleak. I mean, I think even the character of Rose and sort of, because she, it's again, she's not a normal doc. She is a doctor, but she's not like the doctor you see in movies. She's a medical examiner, effectively. Yeah. Like she's working in the morgue or whatever the hell they call the, like, I think it's the morgue, right? Like when you die in a hospital, they still take you whatever is a morgue. Yeah. Pathology. Um, yeah. Pathology. Right. Because that's what she, they call it in the movie. Yeah. Well, because I remember like at one point she's like, oh, well, we sent that person. It's when. Celie's daughter dies and she, Leela is, and they're like, oh, well, she went to the medical examiner. I was like, wait, isn't she the medical examiner? But in any event, she, um, even just like her ability to do things that she shouldn't be doing and sort of it, I don't know, it, it does not, the film does not make you, you don't leave feeling great about medical profession or, or the way that our like medical system <laughs> operates here in the United States. No, period, no, but I, would I, say. I do appreciate like the critique for sure. And then also I think, you know, the character of Rose is so interesting because she's this scientist who's trying to like bring people back to life, right? Like create life that way. But she also uses her own body to create life that uh, then yeah. feeds well, these experiments. It's so interesting. And I don't know that I have ever seen um, like an abortion take place like that on screen before, no. where then the fetal the fetal tissue is shown later. No, like, I don't think that, I've ever seen oh, that. That shot of the pot jar on the shelf was just like, oh my god, so good. <laughs> yeah, um, <laughs> I love that actress. I think she. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I love. Um, forgive me, Scrubs Lady as well. <laughs> and, and a lot of it is like their, it's their differences and their give and take. But I just her that performance is very intense and and also funny and like, it's very layered. Well, yeah. Well, especially though, as much as Rose is emotionalist because she's clinical and she's a scientist doing her thing. Judy Ray's uh, Celia is the exact opposite of the spectrum. She's very loving and, very nurturing. Right. It's she's like a sort of loving nurse. She's like the nurturing archetype. Yeah. yeah. Um, Ariel, I just want to respond because the thing you said was one of the things that I was thinking about the most. So, in effect, this is like a pretty straight Frankenstein story, yeah. right? Um, the difference is, and this was the thing that so like the 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 all of the narrative tension effectively becomes 
or is built around the fact that what they need is certain types of material, which allows these like dead bodies to replenish themselves. But as you sort of mentioned, like the material they most need is material from like newborn or aborted, like, like things that have to do with life creation in and of itself. So rather than invest her energy, I'm talking about Rose in improving whatever, like, uh, uh, pregnancy care and, and like maternal outcomes and like solving for that. She's instead focused on harvesting pre whatever, like aborted fetal tissue and, you know, uh, stem cells to I was gonna say. keep alive in the case of, <clears throat> in the case of Lila, Lila was a child, like she died and like, it was tragic, but like, we also like, we know what's driving her is the fact that she was trying to keep, like she wanted to like keep her mother alive. Who right. was frankly like, I mean, we, they don't, we, I, I can't remember exactly the terms of she, she died of Parkinson's actually, I, I think. Right. So, but basically I, it's just, it's just like such a, I don't know. Um, there's like a perverted, you know, perverse mentality at the center of that. Right. Of like, we need to harvest this, these things like this, like proto humans or, or like, you know, in the case of the woman <clears throat> who they're, um, fucking with around yeah. her own pregnancy, <laughs> you oh, know, like, Lord. That's oh, like that's an sad. actual like woman who has like been trying to conceive and like they're using her as fuel to keep alive. Right. Lila, I mean, it's like, like they're both a human at this point. Both of them know? are sort of like blinded in different ways. And yeah, it leads totally. both of them to doing like unethical yeah. things. Well, it really is a spectrum between them and they are both on opposite ends of that, but they are blinded in the same ways, kind of the same motivations as far as like the focus of that motivation, but they have their motivations that are drive different motivations are driving to it. It's just kind of fascinating. But, yeah. I, I'm trying to like, it, like Chris, like that's the perverseness of this film is that they're, I guess they're like destroying life or destroying life force in the service of death. Right. Like in the service of like yeah. keeping alive yeah. something that is dead so, and the lengths that they go to do that. Cause yeah. like what early you brought up, earlier the idea of rose using her own body and to start these pregnancies to get the feel for experiments that it, to me is like the true crux of the horror of this movie and then extended by the horror of what the two of them do to this other lady who just happens to be a patient at the hospital yeah i, I mean i think that's the kind of the most fascinating part about this film is that they went that far and showed so much of it on screen and the director when we interviewed them said that they wanted to kind of explore this idea of like dr frankenstein but what if dr frankenstein was a woman who actually could create life with their body and what would that look like mm. and also that they were getting to an age where they were seeing like all of their friends around them have to make decisions about their own body, whether they were going to try to have kids, decide definitively that they weren't going to have kids, try IVF, go through miscarriages, all of that, mm -hmm. and kind of seeing both like the joy and horror that comes with those experiences. And I think you get both of those things in this film. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. I hadn't thought, it's kind of a funny, like I had never thought of that dichotomy of like, Franken's Dr. Frankenstein being somebody so obsessed with like creating life when like women just do it. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, 
and it given the like the, the era that was written in and stuff like that's pretty interesting right well and also like the director was saying that um like mary shelley when she was writing or before she wrote Frankenstein went through um, like, I think a couple of miscarriages herself and that that experience like informed a lot of the writing. So mm. mm-hmm. yeah. going on the, with the uh, Frankenstein notes though, that's what made uh, the performance of Lila, the young girl at this so impressive. Cause I love the, she was totally Frankenstein's monster and the, and the way she progressed after she came back and they brought her back and you see the gradual, you know, cognitive skills coming back and stuff like that. There was a couple times, like the first time they showed Celia giving her a bath, I think in the bathtub and you heard Lila mumble and I swear to God, it sounded like mom or mama. And, you know, it just kind of gives you chills at that point. Cause you've what the way that we've watched her progress so slow. It's like, Oh Lord. <laughs> She well, really is coming yeah. back. That scene when the um, uh, Celie singing the song. I, what's the song? Maybe one of y'all remember. It's like a song. I mean, if you have kids, you yeah, sing it's like the a song. nursery yeah. rhyme or something. Yeah, and um, it it's yeah, it's brutal the way that that sequence plays out. Right, and I mean, because like the original Frankenstein deals so much towards the end, especially with like the humanity of the monster. Right, so it's mm-hmm. interesting right. to get these glimpses of. The little girl's humanity coming back. Well, I, to me, that part fell. It falls apart a little bit. Like they, they clearly give up. Not give up, but there, there's a bit of an. They, they decided they had to abandon that or go. You know, focusing on Leela's humanity toward the end. I mean, look, one of the most fucked up scenes in this movie is when. Uh, what's her name? Rose. I think it's Rose comes back into the apartment. She realizes that um, Judy Reyes is not there. And she's like, fuck, she sees the bed is empty and she goes to, there's like a refrigerator and she opens it and the girl's body is in there because essentially she had died. But this is when Judy Reyes sort of in desperation goes to the most extreme lengths to try to get the material to bring her back to life. And so she basically allows her to die, puts her back in the freezer and then is like, you know, then then we get that's like the tease up the very final sequence, basically. That whole scene or that whole sequence there that gets teed up by her putting Lila in that freezer and Rose discovering it is, was like the most draw dropping moment of this movie for me because it, the links that Celia goes to wraps around to back around from the opening scene we saw of this movie. And so we've seen this happen with the lady on the delivery table and Celia talking to her at the very beginning of the movie. And then all of a sudden we realized that, what is actually going on in that scene? And it really kind of blew my oh, gourd. It's, it's like, oh my God. It's the same yeah. scene. It's the yeah. same exact scene. Yeah. I didn't put that together. Yeah. yeah so oh. the whole part, the whole movie was the flashback leading up to that for opening scene. That shit is brutal. And the, that scene's actually, that ending scene is edited really brilliantly. I loved how we see her take a sip of tea and then it immediately cuts to like, she's on the ground seizing. Like that's really jarring. And then it's like, it jumps in time. Then we're like in the hospital and like that actress's performance right before she like passes is like so intense. So yeah. good. That she's yeah. great. That in general. I thought she was really good. You yeah. Know. The, to me, the two jaw driving moments, it's that, but it's also when in back at the end of the first act, when she discovers that she has her kid in the hat, like I, my jaw actually dropped when that happened. And I was like, what? <laughs> and like, 
that man, that's a point in this movie where like, cause the whole, there you go. You've done, you've revealed your big thing. Mm-hmm. The thing really could have gone sideways at that point. Right. Cause like, then you have to figure out what's yeah. next, mm-hmm. but they do a really good job of the film does a really great job of, of, figuring out what's next, I guess. Like it never feels like it's meandering. Yeah. (laughs) And it never feels like the director didn't know where they were going and they just kind of tacked on and it didn't, it never feels like that at any point. This all feels very plain. Well, it's like, I know I complain about this shit a lot, but when movies meander and I can feel it, this is what my brain goes. My brain does was like, well, if you don't give a shit what's going to happen next, why should I care? (laughs) So I'm going to check out Uh because you did. So yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I get that. <laughs> no, this so movie. So I appreciated is, that about this movie that it has, it's it's got a straight line that I liked. Yeah, yeah, and and for me, I think the the lasting impression that I had after I watched it the first time was really just the relationship between the two women. I mean, there's a lot of shocking things and subversive things that happen in this movie, but I do think that the evolution of their friendship is really cool, where they're sort of like. Yeah begrudging like partners in this science experiment at first but they just get closer and closer to where they almost become like life partners to each other and are relying on each other for things and i think one of the most heartwarming moments is when um rose's character actually like opens up and tells her that starfish story about her mom and then later you see that judy reyes's character sends her like a picture like texts her a picture that her little girl had like painted a starfish the year before and you see her smile which you've like never seen her smile before and her coworker even comments on it i mean i think that's sort of beautiful that like their friendship and partnership has grown so much over time that like Celia is the only one who can like bring her that happiness. You know? Well, yeah. I also think, and I, I'm, I'm crediting the writers with this being an intentional, I, I'm, I'm sure it was intentional at some level, but I thought it was, it was pretty well handled there. I think character wise, they also grow toward each other, which is yeah. to say Rose is like this extreme. I mean, Eric described his like autism spectrum and then, uh, the, the, um, uh, Celia character is like the, the polar opposite sort of caring nurse character. And by the end, Rose is, you know, there's the, the, the moment when Rose realizes that Celia's done something like really grim to sort of keep this going. She's sort of like crestfallen for like how far Celia has come you know, yeah. and on in the on the inver- in the inverse, like Celia is giving zero fucks about this woman who is pregnant, who she's doing horrible things to. Um, and because she, at first she's not, she's trying to like do as little as possible that's bad and still get away or still get what she needs out of it. But as she's pushed further and further, she sort of moves further and further toward Rose and her sort of mentality of like anything for this. Well, yeah, she, bypa- she surpasses her in that. Yeah, well, ultimately, yes. Yeah, I think I think watching her daughter die a second time or like having her daughter die a second time just pushed her over the edge, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, but the way, like you guys are saying, that they, the way they grew that relationship between Celia and Rose, too, it wasn't like all of a sudden, well, we're in this quirky situation. We're going <laughs> right. to be roommates and best buds. It was gradual, and they dropped little nuggets. Like, I, it stood out to me. There was probably what felt like the, you know— what would be like three days or something, a couple visits 
from Celia after they got into the swing of things and uh, Rose had come home from work and said it was leaving. And she's like, oh, well, I did this. I did this. And I made you your salad. It's in the refrigerator. <laughs> you know, just little bits like that to show how that they grew throughout the course of that movie. They got more and more. It's yeah. Really or like well teasing Rose about being a vegetarian, but doing yeah, all the they things start she's to, doing. <laughs> yeah. They start teasing each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty good. Word. Pretty, yeah. pretty good. You know, I was surprised. I guess it helped that you... Um... I wasn't worried, Eric, that you were going to, like, I, it was going to fucking melt your brain or something. I You're did... specifically ever concerned that I was going to watch it right before the show. Well, I, I was concerned, because I do think this is a movie that takes a little more processing. Than yeah, it takes some time to think of things that we've watched, especially this year, for the love of God. So... This is, it's no nun too, is what I'm trying to say. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, Ariel, did Lara Moss say anything about what they are working on next? Because I'm very interested. I'm, I'm on board. Yeah. So they have things in the works, but couldn't like expand on it too much. So. Okay. Uh, definitely going to be directing more movies. It's a it's a full length version of uh, what was it called? Porn without sex or something. One of, the, <laughs> right. one of, one of their shorts. Um, you know, sounds good. All right, love it. Would you recommend this movie, Ariel? Yeah, absolutely. John. Yes. Casey. You betcha. Same, and uh, I think it's going on my top ten list, John. So let's. Uh, oh, that's exciting! Take a, take a quick break. And, uh, oh no! What will happen if we have to bump whatever? I can't remember what ridiculous <laughs> movie you had. It's like some, all right. Let's just get. Let's get to it. Go ahead. There's a new series coming to television. If you don't watch it, you could be making. A grave error. A very grave error. Friday the 13th. The series. Hi, this is Doc Bradley Pinhead from the Hellraiser movies, welcoming you to Bloody Good Horror. Let's take a look. I actually, John, while you were talking earlier, specifically you. I could tell you weren't paying attention, so. Well, I mean, we've known each other for many, for many years, John. <laughs> um, I did a little tweaking on my list here. So here's where I have the list right now. This is with Birth Rebirth. I have um, 
Bo is Afraid, number one. Number two, Megan. Number three, Haunting in Venice. Number four, Birth, Rebirth. Ooh. Number that's back five, to back, three and four, back to back weeks. Number five, shot up back up the list, John, Infinity Pool. Nice, nice. Number six, okay. uh, Last Voyage of the Demeter. Number seven, Scream Six. Number eight, Knock at the Cabin. Number nine, Talk to Me. Number 10, Evil Dead. I'm looking for any excuse to get rid of um, Talk to Me or Evil Dead because I don't care for either of those movies really. So help me out, <laughs> horror. Interesting. Good Lord. Uh, help Saw me X, out. dude. We're like, we're weeks away from Saw X. So, um, Ariel, you should have seen us God, trying to Saw get X. a comment Jesus. out of Rachel about Saw X. She's, she's very good on the embargo. She does not. You cannot mess around with those. No, like, oh, I know you will get in trouble. It's, <laughs> oh, I yeah. understand. They'll it. never so, talk to you again. <laughs> yeah, but uh, she's right, good. Uh, so it made I you was feel actually, better. She told me either. So okay. <laughs> I actually better. forgot to. Uh, I forgot to put out socials today, John. Yeah, well, we're going to dock your pay this week, so. But, <laughs> you know, I did, once again, John, while you were talking, <laughs> sent them out. I appreciate that you wait till I'm talking. Like, don't, you know, <laughs> ignore and or not pay attention for Ariel or Casey, but <laughs> I get it. Um, I get we it. got some questions on YouTube. Let's hit those up first. Levi, Rose was quite the obsessive in this. Mm-hmm. What's your recent obsession? My obsessions, usually for me, I just need to find a mobile game that I can play while I'm commuting. I'm commuting here in New York City. You're on the train, give or take 20 minutes each direction. I love a good mobile game. And so I find something, I play it till I like legit am just sick of it. And then I move on. And so I uh, enjoy traveling. Like, would you do the same on a plane? Usually not. Usually with a plane, I'll either have my Switch and I'm like playing real video games or I'll try to like read or watch a movie. I will often just stare straight ahead like a psycho and just sit around, <laughs> which is for somebody who constantly like sub, like struggles with distraction. It's kind of incredible that something just switch flips when I get on a plane where I'm just like, boom, and I'm just like. Dude, locked in it. with you're universe. fucking that you they might put you on a watch list if you keep doing that. <laughs> Oh, Jesus. <laughs> like, cause okay. I used to for years where I'd be traveling and I'd like bring all this shit and be like, okay, I got this book and I got my switch and then I would do nothing. I would just sit there. I love it because it's like, you can't, you, you have to like have something to do. I, I will not just sit and stare. Although occasionally I'll take a nap, but I like I the do. fact that it's like, you're, you can't fuck around. Like you can be distracted, but you're in that seat. So yeah. You might as well be doing whatever. Yeah. Yeah. I do Read enjoy like a good seat back screen where I can just watch some dumb, like I, you know what I like? I like, I'll be like, where's my top chef? I don't even watch top chef, <laughs> but I, I used to love that show. Cause I don't have cable, yeah. but like uh-huh. I get on a plane give me a couple of top chef episodes. We'll get there. No time. We're good. So we haven't answered the, the question about what everyone is obsessed about right now. Mine is mobile games. Currently, Slay the Spire, which is now on iPhone. It's on Apple Arcade. So I've played more hours than I care to talk about on that game overall. But now it's on the phone, so I play that. 
there's these like retro uh, sports games that I've been playing on the phone and also obsessed with those. Those are my mobile games. When you say retro, what are you talking about? Like Tecmo Bowl or something? There's one, yeah, there's one called like, it's called like retro football and then the other one's called like retro soccer or retro something, you huh. know. And uh, they're both on Apple Arcade. I'm, I'm pretty Apple Arcade obsessed in general. I, I, it's hmm. If you play mobile games, Apple Arcade, very good games. deal. So. All right, um, Ariel, what's your obsession? Oh boy. Um, are you an, are you an obsessive person? Not usually. Uh, I mean like in my own brain, like anxiety, it's like an obsessive mm -hmm, cycle, right. but I don't yeah, tend yeah. to obsess over but like, you don't hyper fixate. No, yeah. but I have, I do have this problem right now where, um, so I used to just watch reality TV when I'd work out and that was the only time I'd watch it. But now it's like bleeding over into my everyday life and there's like so many shows and I just keep like watching more of them and it's like, it's becoming an issue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Are you watching, uh, 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 what's that one? The big one now, um, love is blind. Bars. Why can't I think of the name? I have watched a few seasons of love is blind. Bachelor golden edition or whatever it's called. No, no. I've actually <laughs> never watched any of the bachelor shows, but uh, definitely like real housewives below deck. I was going to say Vanderpump yeah. rules. Oh, yep. Vanderpump rules. Yes. <laughs> My wife. I'm actually fairly guys, caught up on she's, that one. She's deep on all those. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Casey, what's your obsession? Um, well, my unhealthy obsession right now is reading the news every morning. Mm. Oh, like it's bad for my shit. blood. It's, it's <laughs> yeah. bad for my blood pressure. Try, and I read it too. Yeah, that's in fair. It, brother. Oh, I know. But it, I get to the point where I read it to make myself mad and it's gotten out of hand. <laughs> so I'm working <laughs> well, on you that. Just, you just described like every cable news network's business model. Oh, I bet. Yeah. <laughs> Getting people <laughs> mad so they come back. Oh, I'm totally Mark for it right now. <laughs> Yeah, but like, my other obsession right now is probably closer related to Rose in that it's work related, but I'm obsessed with role based access control. And you probably don't want me to define it means, for you. Casey. Don't know what that <laughs> no means. Idea. Yeah, I'm definitely a hyper fixator. It's actually partially why I tend to like stay away from games because like shit'll take. I mean, I used to read like patch notes for Fortnite and be like, okay, what gun was nerfed? Like what, like that's how deep I would like go with like, like physics changes and shit. It was, it was a lot. Um, my dog is dying here in the background again. Um, <laughs> my current, I mean, I've been talking about it. It's Deadwood is my current obsession. Honestly, mm -hmm. I've yet to finish it. I'm in season three. My favorite thing about that show is it ended up being way funnier than I ever expected. Like it's it amazing. is such a goddamn funny show. That dude, Ian McShane is yeah. incredible. So, like, good. so catching up on 20 year old discourse on that show. And, uh, I've been getting back into just producing music and I've been like studying a bunch of guitar stuff. So that's kind of been my, my mm. current fixation. Playing guitar is hard, John. Like I, I tried for like you know what's even more people who play guitar 15. and sing at the same time. Oh. <laughs> that that is black magic. I don't know how you do that, and it's incredible. Whoever can do that, dude. I've played bass guitar since I started playing bass guitar in seventh grade in middle school, and I still cannot play that fucking thing and sing at the same time to save <laughs> my life. It's <laughs> crazy. Like, did you? I mean, you're just doing two fully different rhythmic things. It's wild. Yeah. Um, all right, we got another good one from Levi. Who is your favorite lady in horror? Shirley Jackson, Barbara Crampton, Elvira? Shirley Jackson? I mean, you're the, <laughs> it's a very wide, wide range there. Yeah. Yeah. 
<laughs> I mean, you could pick others, John. I think they were, you know, I think Levi was just, uh, <laughs> just that's a, I do really love, um, I don't know that I've seen her in anything I actually super liked, but I love Barbara Crampton's whole vibe of like, came like after 20 years of just like leaving, she did after she, her eighties horror run, she did soaps in the nineties for a while. And then basically like just went and was a mom. Like that's yeah, what she, she mommed it up. She actively was like, I'm going to just be with my family, whatever. And then really like got in touch with this online fan base and really dug in with like the horror community. And she just seems like she's like living, living it up. It's really cool to watch. That was going to be my vote was Barbara Crampton for the yeah. same reasons. I mean, I just love the enthusiasm she has for horror movies and that she's come back 20 years later and just as enthusiastic about it and putting a bunch of them out there. It's a blast. Yeah. I'd like to see somebody put her in something that I like. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's not her fault. Did you not like that vampire one she was in? Eh, it was okay. All right. Oh, All right. what was it? That's what one was with the, um, what it was called, but it was fun. Isn't Larry Fessenden in all of the Fessenden. ones she's in? Yeah, that's the one where <laughs> her, of her, and, her and Fessenden get it on in that one, John. <laughs> Again, that. isn't that that's like half of the movies she's been in? I feel like, um, it's like the pre- she's like a I she's mean, like a preacher, right? Isn't yeah, I feel like we watched that. It's it yeah. all kind of it's like that, somebody, some Jacob's wife, or yes, oh, it was Jacob's wife. Yeah. Yes, 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 yes. I liked. Well, uh, we are still here. Oh yeah. Mm. Mm-hmm. I'd have to rewatch that. I when I hear that name, I think negative things, but they're generic, so I don't <laughs> just, remember yeah. what I didn't like about it. I was just gonna say Elvira's cool. She's she's yeah, funny. she is. Elvira. She's a funny she's lady. Um, I wasn't so. gonna vote for Elvira just because I think she's at that icon level. So I mean, everybody likes Elvira. But isn't that Who the question? What yeah. ab- What about you, Ariel? Uh, Rachel and I are obsessed with the director, Julia DeCour now, and we well, really, really want to get her on our show to interview her, but so far it hasn't happened. You know, she's got a long career ahead of her before yeah. we can, you know, that's like... What has she done? That's Raw, raw and, and, and Titan. Uh, titan. T- yeah. Titan. 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 Yeah. Yeah. She's amazing. Like, like agree, but also I would want to interview her make three more movies for her. I would want to interview her just so I I could ask a bunch of specific questions about that sex scene in Titan and the Right? (laughs) Yes, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. Cause I didn't get it. This is here's my Uh, thing. I see a movie like Titan or this movie we just watched, and I'm like, whatever you're doing right now, just go make more movies. Like I don't like, I do not want to wait four years for another Laura Moss movie. Yeah. You know? Like, I wish, let's like, just fucking go. Easier. What's the problem? Like, just Yo, make- call me up. I will help work on that problem. Like, let's go. <laughs> I want more of these movies. We're going to pass um, your number along. <laughs> please. <laughs> Those were uh, questions from Levi. So thank you for that. Moving over to Slack here. People helping us out. From Mondo. Would you rather have to spend all day with this kid or the one from the Babadook? This one's way quieter. <laughs> this kid, true. for sure. Yeah. Way quieter. <laughs> Basically lobotomized. So, yeah, that's fine. <laughs> oh, man. Um, Poor Babadook kid. That's tough. I know. When he's Webby. just like building stuff, I think he's a really cool little kid. He just screams <laughs> a lot. <laughs> I know. There's backlash. I can't, you can't say that now, John. You can't say you don't like the Babadook kid because he's got his own fans now. Um <laughs> I saw John. Oh, I sent you guys the meme. This is totally unrelated, but of uh, <laughs> it's of Keanu Reeves from Knock Knock. Yeah, where he's buried in the ground with the phone in front of his face, 
And it's playing Halloween ends. And he's like, no. <laughs> <laughs> it's the best. It's the best. Uh, when is Exorcist? Wait, how many weeks do we have? For the for Halloween that? ends apologists. It's About that time of year, John. There's three or four weeks. Nice. Yeah, they're the coming Halloween out ends strong. apologists are starting to come out of the woodwork mm-hmm. again, like, John. <laughs> You know what it is? Where this is what are it is. they, it's like, like, they, they got it. That's like a Russian disinformation. It's a Russian disinformation campaign. No, no. Just they pop up government. their heads and they send out a like a medium hot take about how like, right? Remember when everybody just trashed that movie and they were like, am I the only one? And they're like, they're just, they were, they're looking for validation, John. And there's yeah. always like a couple people. It's not crazy, but like it, <laughs> it'll happen because Time makes people no. lose their minds. Like, yeah, well, I'm sorry. and people, I've seen people on Twitter and Instagram and stuff saying, like, it's like Halloween three. Like, we're, we want to do this anthology thing. And this was the first one. The problem is, is that it was the end of a trilogy. It was not the start of an anthology. Literally, no of part of that. There's no logic in any no. part of that. Oh, my so. God. Those and people to need to be bullied. the name to know Halloween that they're wrong. <laughs> I don't know. Just don't go on social media. As it always I've said, makes me think, John, about literally thousands of times. It always makes me think, John, about how I used to 15 years ago pontificate on the show about how kids then were going to grow up and write like glowing lookbacks on the Star Wars prequels. And you were like, no, that's not going to happen. No, it's not going to happen. And then like literally that's just accepted now that there's people that like the Star Wars prequels. Oh, but there's people that like anything, just to be clear. No, no, but it like, no. ha- John, I am, pr- I am psychic. Like what I said was going to happen actually happened. You were continued to not be in the internet for any of it. But believe <laughs> but Eric, me, it happened. Like, a bunch of people on the internet doesn't mean a fucking thing. Like that's Snars, the thing. Like I've, those I've movies lived, are still bad. Like, yeah, but just Snars, bring back I have lived, lived Eric's Star Wars look back scenario in real life with Delaney's fiance. Cause we got in an argument that he liked the prequels. Yeah. And what is he like 23 or five or something? Like? Yeah. He's like 26. <laughs> yeah. I mean, look, it's fine. If someone's Stupid like, I like kids. them, but if they're like, they are objectively like well-made films. That's yes, John, those like, people are. It's, those, that's those, not true. Like that's actually like objectively false. It's one that's of the consequences. Just they like Trump's opinion. This is this is Trump made this worse because we live in a post <laughs> well, we live in a post truth world but now. Like, yeah, <laughs> there's just some things that are not good. Sometimes because this is a, yeah, made. this is the divide between like Gen X and millennials and like Zoomers is like sometimes you're just wrong. You're not always right. Jim. No, well, you, if you're saying I like something, that's different than saying it is good. And like those are just different. Like one is an opinion, and one is like. It's like things can be bad, but you can like them. Like there's lots of things that are bad that I like. I just like getting you riled up. People love Um, trauma (laughs) films. Like they're objectively fucking crazy and like ridiculous. Same. Yeah. Um, So one of them. Um, Okay. We got a couple more on Slack. Uh, 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 This is Webby. Where do each of you think they cross the line in this movie? What's your nah, that's too far break point for testing based on the characters from the movie? I mean, jerking off guys in bars, bathrooms, and getting yourself pregnant and aborting them yourself. It's pretty, like, you're not technically hurting anyone else directly, but that's pretty messed up. All of that I am fine with. (laughs) Taking a body out of the hospital without anyone's consent, including the mom, like, putting that mom through a situation where she doesn't know where her daughter's body is, it's just, like, Mm. that's terrible. It's so cruel. Even though the mom is okay with it in retrospect, 
It's still bad. That's to be lie. fair. To be clear, though, John, you're fine with milking the dudes in bars. Yeah, you're totally fine. fine. That part of Whatever. It. <laughs> that, that could just be like a fetish she has. Like that's cool. Like we're, yeah. I don't. I'm not here There's to judge someone's there. fetish. There's something there. Um, <laughs> all right, it's good to know. Yeah, I mean, I mean, that's the whole dramatic crux of the movie. Is like that slow ratcheting up of like mm-hmm. pushing the line of what's acceptable for sure. Yeah. But she does like, and I think it. I get it. She accepts what she has done. The, the the scrubs lady accepts what the other lady has done very easily once she discovers that her daughter's alive. And that's kind of the whole point of the movie is that like the things we'll do for, to, you know. Or what you're able to yeah. justify after the fact by the results. Uh, that's it for Slack. Casey, I did post on threads. You could check. I did check. Sadly, there hasn't been any posts yet. Mm-hmm. <sighs> um, we got, okay. I guess we got one more. Let me just check Twitter quick. I doubt there's anything, but I got a quick movie question while Eric's looking. Mm-hmm. Over the course of the movie, then we've got this extra formulary part of the concoction that's going in there where they aspirate the bone marrow. Mm-hmm. Oh. Did that allow them to grow their own indefinite their own ingredients indefinitely, or was that just a stopgap? I think it was just a stopgap measure because okay. otherwise she wouldn't have needed to go yeah. after the lady. <laughs> I, like I'm not like a I'm not a scientist, but I think there's different types of stem cells, yeah. and, and like stem cells being like cells that haven't decided what type of cell they are, and in bone marrow is one of them. But they're like not I don't know. They're not the the good kind. They're not the best kind. Um, okay. Nothing on social, but we do have one more from our friend Rachel. Oh, Rachel. <clears throat> if you could sacrifice a body part to create life, what would get the chop? And it has to draw blood. Okay. Well, hold on. Uh, is this like revivifying a child who has died? Because then it's like, you know. Sure. Or, that's like, you- that. You know, any parent is going to be like, you give a lot. <laughs> Let's put it that way. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm not a parent, but like for my, my sister's kids, I would like give a limb. Sure. <laughs> but if, if I get to choose the body part, can I just choose like my pinky toe or something? Yeah, exactly. Oh, it's like, what's, what if I gave just my knees? I cut some of my hair off at least. <laughs> what if I gave just my knees and then it's like a King of the Hill grandpa situation? <laughs> Yeah, I have to give your shins. <laughs> Can we just like... What's his name? I mean, then I really wouldn't be able to Cotton. reach anything. Yes. I'd be a real bummer. <laughs> I, I lost my shins in Korea. <laughs> Dude, Cotton. I lost his Holy shins. Holy shit. I forgot about that character. That's amazing. <laughs> I'm with Ariel. I'd give my... I'd give either p- uh, pinky toe for any of you to save you because yeah. I've broken that stupid thing so many times. I don't care if it's there. Or not. <laughs> don't, you think exactly. pinky, don't you think pinky toe is like critical to it's really important for balance? balance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's it. I feel like Casey's balance. It's going to go eventually anyway. I feel like you're better off getting rid of like, you, I feel like you're better off getting rid of like the second one in from the right. I don't know, John, I've got a lot of center of balance, <laughs> center of mass there. <laughs> Touche. Touche. Um, next week, we are doing The Creator. Because I want to. We're taking a little horror flyer here. It's a sci fi flyer, I, I should say. Because I want to. Mm-hmm. Is the answer. And it looks cool. Why. It looks before good. Anyone at, before anyone asks me or gets sassy about it, it's because I want to do it. Mm, John. <laughs> there you and go. I do what Great. I want. Good for you. 
Um, yeah, so John, you're out. Uh, Rachel is joining us, and I believe um, Mr. Joe Ferry will be joining us, so it's exciting. Um, Ariel, where can people find you and the Zombie Girls crew? Yeah, so it's Zombie Girls, spelled G-R-R-L-Z. You can find our podcast network wherever you get your podcasts. You can find us at ZG Podcasts on Twitter, Instagram, and Threads. And uh, Rachel and my podcast, More Deadly, where we did interview Laura Moss uh, last month. You can find that at More Deadly. Love it. Thank you. That's going to do it. Hope everybody's enjoying their uh, spooky season. And uh, we'll talk to you next week. See you. Bye-bye.